Well, I got a little emotional on that last one, sorry. Sometimes I inexplicably fade out. And uh, Lisa's up there raising her hands and it's like, I can't, you know, got me emotional. Don't do that anymore, Lisa. Shame on you. No. How can you not raise your hands in that song? Thank you, Joe, for that reminder. So the wages of sin is what? You know your Bibles. I knew you did. Romans 6.23. So the question that emerges in any thoughtful person's mind, why are you still walking around? Grace. <laughs> the wages of sin is death. And you're still walking around. You're still inhaling and exhaling. When was the last time you thought deeply about that? As is his habit, the Holy Spirit asks a penetrating question in Romans 2.4. He asks, Do you think lightly of the riches of God's kindness, forbearance, and patience? Well, yes, everybody does. Almost every day. Clearly, if we have not genuinely considered the why am I still walking around question, we are guilty of Romans 2.4. I think it is common for us to think lightly of the riches of God's kindness, forbearance, and patience. And I think Thanksgiving is a perfect time to be thankful and to remember and not forget as Mark said, the unfathomable grace of God. I like the way John Piper frames this issue. <laughs> he asks this question. Who praises God for 10,000 days of wrath withheld? Have you ever heard that question? Who praises God for that? Nobody. Almost nobody. Almost nobody. Of course, the average man on the street, he has no idea what Piper's talking about. Nor sadly does your typical 21st century churchgoer. And we must admit that even the normal born-again Christian is likely remiss in cultivating this, this deeply biblical, sound and God-centric mindset. Does anybody thank God for 10,000 days of wrath withheld? What are 10,000 days? Well, if you're 27 years old, you're in that neighborhood. I did the math. I'm 65. No, I'm 68. <laughs> I feel like I'm 65. Seems like only yesterday I was 65. That's 25,000 days the Lord's granted me. To walk the planet. You know, you're not promised another day. Nobody's promised another day. And he has every reason to take you out. And to take me out. Back to Mark's answer, it's grace. I think Francis said it too. It's the grace of God. The Bible is clear. We're a guilty race living on a condemned planet. If we're connecting the dots here, which again, many people don't take the time to do. 
Why wouldn't I be praising God for another day of wrath withheld? Why wouldn't I? Again, if I'm a thoughtful person and I am connecting the biblical dots here. So yeah, we've all earned our wages. Our wages are past due. The wages of sin is death. Again, Thanksgiving seems like the perfect time to consider this theological reality. So I'm going to stop and ask you, are you thankful? Are you really thankful for another day of wrath withheld? And I'm going to be honest, probably many, if not most of you, have never thought like this. Never thought like this. That the wages of sin is death, and I'm still walking around. And it doesn't, it doesn't cause you to get prostrate on your, on, on, before the Lord, right? If we're, thinking, if we're thinking about this, it will. It will. You'll feel the irresistible urge to prostrate yourself before a gracious God. So yes, it's true every day. Human beings are a thankless lot. Amen? We are a thankless lot. Only born-again Christians understand about the deep and abiding thankfulness that, that permeates the heart as we consider all that God is and all that God has done. We understand about our wages earned, and we understand about our wages not yet rendered. We understand exactly why we're still walking around. Mark's right. It's grace. <laughs> it's grace. We know all about the 10,000 days of wrath withheld. We know all about it. We've read our Bibles. So let me ask you this. What is one of the principal indictments of man in the courtroom of God? Can you answer that question? Well, if you're familiar with Romans 1, you can. Let me just read to you. You don't need to turn there. Romans 1, 18 to 21. God says it like this. Natural man is suppressing the truth about the glory of God. We're suppressing the man, unrighteous man, pardon me, unregenerate man, natural man is suppressing the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is what? It's evident. You know it. The atheist knows it. No such thing as an atheist. He knows it. God says he knows it. That which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. It's written on our souls. He's there, and he's worthy to be praised. Continuing, Romans 1. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. So what? So what? You're without excuse and so am I. We're without excuse. There is no excuse before the throne of God. You won't get to say, I didn't know. You won't get to say that. Nobody gets to say that. God will say, I wrote it on your soul. You know I'm here. You know I'm awesome. And you know you should worship. And you know you should be thankful. It's one of the indictments in Romans 1, in the courtroom of God. Let me continue. You're without excuse for even though they knew God, 
They did not honor him as God. Or what? You know, give thanks. This is a big deal to God. Thanklessness is a big deal to Yahweh. Mankind proactively suppresses the truth of God that the Lord has made evident to us. We know that He is God. We know it in our souls. And all the good we have and see and enjoy in this life is the result of God's goodness, His eternal power and divine nature. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him or give thanks. So that's your job and my job, particularly on a secular holiday called Thanksgiving. So before, before Yahweh, thanklessness is a capital offense. Men get thrown into hell for being thankless men. This will happen. Thankless men will be cast into the lake of fire. It's one of the main indictments of Romans 1. You do not honor me and you do not give thanks for everything I have poured into your life. I gave you life and I poured everything you have into your life and you don't thank me. Maybe you feign it sometimes on occasion when it seems culturally appropriate or religiously appropriate, but you've never really thanked me from your soul. This is a capital offense before God. Men will suffer eternal death for this great and heinous sin before Yahweh. So we all know the hard truth about ourselves, right? We all know the hard truth. We are more prone to complain than we are to give thanks. Now, there may be one or two of you who, you know, flip that, flip that script. But most of us... Complaining comes natural, right? It's just what the natural heart does. It's what sinful man loves to do, to complain. And to complain about anything is to complain about the sovereignty of God. And I hope you understand that. If you don't hear me say anything else, I hope you hear that. To complain about anything is to complain about the sovereignty, the sovereign decreed purpose of Yahweh. We're not to be complainers. We're to give thanks. This is what real Christians do. Obviously, we all fall into that trap. But man, you've got to confess that sin and you've got to get out of that habit. You've got to get out of that habit. I've got to get out of that habit. Does not honor our God. Paul David Tripp, we're studying this book Sunday evenings called Awe. I love what he says about this. We complain not because we have horizontal problems. We complain because we have a vertical problem. We don't like what God is doing. We don't like how God's running the universe. We don't like how God is not blessing me at the moment. <laughs> Trip is right. Every problem you have is vertical. You think it's horizontal. Every, every major problem you think you have is vertical. It's vertical. He's right. He is absolutely right about this. I have sometimes been critiqued for preaching too much theology. 
Jim. I had a guy tell me one time, he said, I just want to get through the week, man. I, I, don't, want you to, I don't want you to stir up my life. I just want you to get me through the week. Say something nice. Say something that encourages me. The problem in the average church today is not that too much theology is being preached. It's that way too little theology is being preached. Everything that matters in your life hangs on biblical theology. I know some of you don't know that and some of you don't believe that or your lives would be different. But it's true. It's true. Piper says it well. Bad theology hurts people. Amen? This is why I rail, and I know you get tired of it sometimes, I rail at pseudo-churches. Bad theology hurts people. Bad theology takes people to hell. They've not been warned. And they think a little church going is going to please God. Are you, back to Romans 1, are you honoring him and are you really thankful before God? You know, that's, these are kind of, these are tales, right? These are tales about genuine conversion. Has it really happened? <laughs> well, you'll be honoring God and you'll be giving thanks. Wrong believing about God will lead to chronic complaining. Are you a complainer? You've got bad theology. You have got bad theology. And I exhort you to unlearn that habit. And I just want to say, again, it's backhanded blasphemy. No, Jim, it's not. Yes, it is. You know how uh, God talks about it in the Bible. The, the complainer, he, he uses the word grumbler. And you, you know what he does with grumblers, right? <laughs> you read your Old Testament. You know what he does with grumblers? He judges them. He judges them. Indeed, if we get God right, which is to say we get our theology right, if it's biblical, we will understand 1 Thessalonians 5.16. You don't need to turn there. It's my favorite memory verse. I've shared it with you before. Who remembers my favorite memory verse? Joe, you probably remember it, don't you? He does, but he doesn't want to show off. My favorite memory verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.16. And I always like to pause and get it right because I like to impress people. Rejoice always. Man, you've got you to memorize this verse. Rejoice always. It's Thanksgiving, <laughs> right? Rejoice always. It's who God is. An eternally and infinitely joyful God. It's what God has done. He's redeemed His people for what? Everlasting joy. It's what God is doing. He is sanctifying the likes of me for godly joy. 
It's what God will do. He will share his joy with his people forever. You remember how Jesus prays in John 17, 13, that the joy of the Son would be made full in his people. Yes, the, the infinite joy of God it will be poured into the redeemed for a billion eternities. We will taste the joy of God. Now, I suspect that doesn't mean very much to some of you. You're not thinking rightly about it. <laughs> the joy of God will be poured into His people forever. There'll never not be more joy. You know, you, you might could envision maybe, could you envision five minutes of pure joy? In this, in this flesh, can you, can you imagine five minutes of pure joy? Maybe you could imagine ten. I don't know. God says, I will give you my joy forever. You guys know how Paul talks about this to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.11. He calls him the blessed God, which another, another translation there is happy. <laughs> you know, some folks don't know that he's a happy God. He is a happy God. He's infinitely happy in himself. He didn't need you, didn't need me, didn't need the cosmos. The triune God was in perfect love and fellowship and joy for an eternity past. He didn't need us. He didn't need anything. He is a happy God. And that, that happiness begins to take up residence in us as we come to Him genuinely. It's Matthew 13, 44. The man sold all he had that he might possess the treasure in the field. And it was from joy that he did it. Now, don't come to Christ. Don't, don't come to Christ for any other reason but from joy. I'm a sinner, but now I see I'm saved. I come, I come from joy. I was lost and now I'm fine. I was blind, but now I see. I, 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 come, I come out of joy. I come out of joy. This pleases the Lord. It's why we're going to be in Psalm 100. Short psalm, so I know maybe long intro. Short psalm. So rejoice and be glad. It's a short psalm. It was a long introduction. So Psalm 100, the Holy Spirit is saying to us, the infinitely happy God is calling His happy people to happy worship. Amen? I love that. The infinitely happy God is calling His happy people to happy worship. I love that. He's calling us past, in Psalm 100, it's why we're there today, He's calling us past thanksgiving. And he's calling us into the title of the sermon, which is what? Thanks living. That's what the call is. It's not some half-hearted thankfulness when I think about it. He's calling us to a lifestyle. This is a lifestyle. Psalm 100. I'm not sure I can preach the text without a few Italian words. Uh, Karen told me the last time I used Italian words that um, I didn't tell you what they mean, but I think you know what incredibile means. What do you think incredibile means? It's incredible. 
Of course we're thankful. Impossibile. What do you think impossibile means? It's impossible not to be thankful. <laughs> it's impossible for the, for the believer, for the true believer. It's impossible. So, verse 1. God calls his people, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. This is where biblical theology takes you. The, sh the shout will be, will be here. Now, you may, not physically, <laughs> you may not physically express the shout, but the shout is in the soul. The shout is always in the soul, right? The shout is never not in the soul. Don't you sometimes feel it in your born-again heart, in meditating on who God is? You know, those wild moments, those wild moments with God, those wild moments in, in, in prayer and meditation and Bible study. It's just you and Him, and it's wild. Wow, God loves me. Someone like me, He loves me. Don't you feel it sometimes when you look around in creation? Behold the glories of all that He's made. So, yeah, seriously, I'm preaching too much theology? <laughs> don't ever say that to me. Because, I don't know, I'll do something unpleasant. Don't ever say that to me. <laughs> it may be true. No, it can't be true. Theology is just an, our understanding, our study, our understanding, and our comprehension of our Creator. That's all theology is, biblical theology. It sounds complicated, but obviously it's not. If we really know Him, we will never grow weary of hearing about Him. And if we're thinking rightly about Him, we must do Psalm 1. We must. We have to do Psalm 1. Not because it's obligatory, because I can't hold it down. I can't hold it down. I can't do it. I can't do it. We shout joyfully to the Lord. It's a shout of praise and joy and happiness and love and fullness and satisfaction and victory and contentment and, and excitement and astonishment and amazement and my favorite and anticipation of all that he has for us. It's a shout of thanksgiving which overflows into the life. It's the title of the sermon. Thanks living. It's the ambiance. It's the ambiance of the Christian life. The same word there in, the same Hebrew word there in Psalm 100 verse 1 is the same word used in Joshua 6.16. When God told Joshua, shout and the Lord will give you the city. <laughs> same word. You remember what Jesus told us in the New Testament how much more should we shout? For the Lord has given you the kingdom. Amen? Luke chapter 12. The Lord has given you the kingdom. Are you thankful this week? Are you thankful? Are you thankful? As one old Puritan said, Worshiping and praising and thanking Yahweh is no melancholy chore. Amen? <laughs> it is no melancholy chore. True worship of the true God 
is always a joyful shout from the soul. I was blind and now I see. How is it that God commands joy from His people because He gives it? God gives what He commands. You say, Jim, I can't find the joy. Listen, you go home and go to work. If you can't find the joy, you got to go home and, and go to work. you got to get by yourself. If you have a prayer closet, get in it and work it out and find the joy. And cry out to God, I don't have that kind of joy. Well, cry out to God for it. You know how that great promise in Jeremiah 29? You'll seek me and find me, what? When you search for me with all your heart. Have you done that? If you haven't done that, that's why you don't have joy. You don't have this kind of joy. You don't know what I'm talking about. I'm preaching right over your head. God gives his people what he commands. He always does. It's the fruit, pardon me, it's the root and fruit of all of Christianity, right? The root is, is we find our joy in God. The fruit is we, we enjoy God. That's Christianity. If you don't enjoy God, you're not converted. You're simply not converted. You're called to enjoy God. It's what Christians do. It's why you can martyr them and they don't really care too much. They will simply be stepping into the presence of God. I love, I love how C.S. Lewis says this. I love how he says this. The Christian is called to be seriously joyful and joyfully serious. Don't you love that? Seriously joyful and joyfully Serious. So God is calling all the earth. Yes, there's this aspect of all of creation, but we know, right? We've read our Bibles. The Psalms are, are permeated with this truth. All creation is singing the praise of God. I'll read you a few excerpts. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. The floods lift up their voice. The heavens are glad. The earth rejoices. The sea and all it contains roar. The field and all that is in it exalts. The trees sing for joy. The world roars. The rivers clap. The mountains sing for joy before God. You remember what Jesus told, told the, the guys? He said, he said, man, if these people don't praise me, what's going to happen? You remember when he was coming into Jerusalem? What, what's going to happen? The rocks will shout out. Creation knows who its creator is. Sadly, most of mankind doesn't seem at least to acknowledge it. Again, back to Romans 1. We know that we know it. But this is what will, this is this call to worship here. This call to worship, right? It made my, my mind went to Revelation 7, 9, and 10, that every nation, tongue, and tribe, and every people are called to worship God. You can go read that for yourself, Revelation 7, 9, and 10. I don't want to take the time to read it. But God is bringing men from every nation, tongue, and tribe. So thanksgiving is not only the, 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 the call for time, it's the call for eternity. It's not just now, it's, it's now and forever. <laughs> It's now and forever. We get to express the joy of knowing God and tasting His joy. Verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. 
Again, the hallmark of biblical theology and true conversion. Joy and gladness. Of course we cry. Of course we weep. Of course we grieve. But underneath all of that is this imperishable joy. That my God is sovereign. In this, even in this moment of crisis, my God is sovereign. My God is doing a thing. Maybe I don't understand it. I don't need to understand it. I trust Him. What is the root? What is the root meaning of faith? It's trust. Oh, how many Christians I run into over the years. A lot have went through the church in Milan. And when push comes to shove, there's no real trust at all. Not really. Not any real trust. You know, I, they can parrot things, but they can't live it. Right? Can't live it. It's not real. The word joy occurs 200 times in the Bible. The word gladness, this is the NAS, the one I use, New American Standard, occurs about 150 times. This is a pervasive theme. It's the distinguishing mark uh, of true Christianity as opposed to pseudo-Christianity. You know, the false denominations. Authentic Christianity flows from a wellspring of awe and wonder. So I'm going to ask you, is that part of what you call your Christianity? Awe and wonder. <laughs> this is what happens when we meet Yahweh. Awe and wonder. It's never not awe and wonder. You know, Karen and I were talking the other day. She says, well, I don't always feel it. It's not always about feeling. It's just always about the fact that he's worthy of that. Of course, we have days when we don't feel it, but Christianity is not ultimately about a feeling. Yes, we feel things, but it's ultimately about what's true. Right? It's ultimately about what is true. There is no fiction, as Spurgeon says, in our songs. Verse 3. No. That's important. No. Do you know? Do you know? Verse 3. No. Do you know this as I read it? Know that the Lord himself is God. Do you know it? Do you know it in such a profound way that it affects you when you roll out of bed in the morning? Know that the Lord... That the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So, do you know it? Do you know it? Are you living it? Or are you still living your life? Like it's all about you. How sad is that? Can you imagine coming to the end of your life and you have lived it like it was all about you every day? For 65,000 days or more. Can you imagine? You can't do verse 1. Shout joyfully to the Lord unless you know that the Lord himself is God. Not in some academic religious sense, but I know it. I know it. In my soul, I know it. 
And you won't do verse 1 unless you know that the Lord Himself is God. You can't do verse 1 if you've not crossed that bridge or done that business with the Lord. So if you have any confusion about the statement, the Lord Himself is God, then, then you might be clueless about why you're here and what it all means. You know, why anything, why everything? We've said this many, many times. I know you get tired of hearing me say it. Why anything, why everything? Because God. That's why. And so you've got to figure out, you've got to figure out how you work into that. How do you work into the God proposition? How do you work into it? On Monday morning and Friday night. If you don't know He is God, you will not shout joyfully to the Lord. You will not serve the Lord with gladness. And you will not come before Him with joyful singing. It's easy to feign it. But you'll not really do it. It's why biblical theology matters. It's why we stand here and we preach theology. It's why the teachers over there, they teach theology. It's the most urgent need for any human being to hear the Word of God. I don't even know what number two is compared to that. It's not, number two is not even the same cosmos as number one. Hearing the Word of God. Because, beloved, each one of us will stand before Him very quickly. And was my life Psalm 100 or was it something else? Was it all about Jim? Or was it Psalm 100? Thanks living. I thank, thanks living before. Before my great God. We don't do sermonettes at Grace. If you want a sermonette, you'll have to go down the street. We don't do sermonettes because... Sermonettes create Christianettes, and they're not good for anything. Christianettes are not good for one thing, except being deceived and deceiving, deceiving their friends and their family. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, oh, yeah, I fornicate on the weekend, but I'm a Christian. Yeah, I look at, I look at pornography, but, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I scream at everybody. I have this horrible anger problem, but I'm a Christian. Whatever. No, you're probably not. I'm not saying we don't sin and we can't sin grievously. Yes, we can. We know that from the Bible. But if it's a lifestyle, there's a huge problem there. There's a huge problem. We need to look at God. Not come in here and say, I ought to look at God. Okay, I'll look at God. No, if you have any, any, uh, any uh, what's the word I want? If you have any sense about what's important for you, not only now but forever, you'll want to come in here and look at God. And you'll want somebody to stand up here and shout at you about the glory of God. <laughs> the little kids over in Milan, they always say, why is he shouting? I can't help it. It's incredible, right? Incredible that I'm loved like this. I've been saved. I'm a punk. And some of you are too. Some of you are too. John 8, 31, 32. Don't turn there. If you abide in my word, Jesus says, which is good theology, then you are truly my disciples. And you shall know the truth. That's good theology. And the truth, good theology, shall what? 
You know, you're free. You don't have to live like the rest of the world. You don't have to compromise about everything. You can walk holy. None of us do it perfectly. But man, that's what I'm shooting at. I'm shooting at holiness. Because it pleases my Father. And it pleases the Son. We're free to shout joyfully to the Lord. We're free to serve the Lord with gladness. We're free to come before Him with joyful singing. Beloved, it is a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. You know, the, Brad always does the, what is it, the something for faith? Facts. What is, fun fact for faith. I love that he does it because, you know, we forget about all the wonders in the created order. You know, we're not idiots. We don't believe they're fairy tales. We don't believe in causeless universes. We know our Creator. We know Him and we love Him. His name is Jesus Christ, for we were created by Him and for Him. And yes, thankfully, we uh, rejoice. Uh, verse 3, we are His people. We are the sheep of his pasture. Psalm 23 kicks in for the sheep, right? As one, as one uh, commentator says there in, in, uh, in, in the 23rd Psalm, the beauty and love of God chases after his people every day. I love that. It's a paraphrase. Verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Again, this is not an invitation to a church service. This is an invitation to live like this. This is thanks living. This is what God is calling us into. Thanks living. Thanks, thankfulness, thanksgiving are, again, pervasive themes in Scripture. About 200 times they appear. It's how the Christian prosecutes all of life. Do we do it perfectly? No. But it's the rock we stand on, right? It's the rock that we stand on. If we really believe, yeah, this will, this will make you thankful if you're a Christian this morning. We were enemies, but now what are we? Does anybody? There's a couple ways to answer that. But I'm thinking of, of Romans, Romans 8. We are enemies now. We're co-heirs. What is a co-heir? How, how can we not be living that out? Co-heirs with the Son of God. You, you see what I'm saying? If it's real, it will be lived out. <laughs> You know, Karen and I were always battling this problem. We have, the, we have these friends who say, well, my, you know, my son, uh, yeah, he, 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 he prayed the prayer and he got baptized. Yeah, he's not walking with the Lord. You know, he's, he's out fornicating and he's doing drugs and he's doing this and he's doing that and he's doing this and he's doing that, but he's still a Christian. No! It's in the life or it's not in you. Am I calling for perfection? No, I'm not calling for perfection. But I'm calling for perseverance. You know, it's, it's God's command. That, that command and warning thing. 
You say, well, Jim, if, if God has saved us and we're sovereignly held in the hand of God, then, then why do you need to warn me? Because God keeps warning the, the believers in the New Testament, you've got to persevere. You've got to finish. We've got to finish. Will we finish if we're genuinely saved? Of course we will. Of course we will. He's holding us. But there's the command, you got to finish. There's the warning. And, and the New Testament is, is just completely full of commands and warnings with respect to perseverance. So we must persevere. Verse 4, the psalmist says, bless his name. And I immediately thought of Job. What happened when, what happened when it all you know, came down on Job? What happened? What did he do? Who knows? He blessed the Lord. So I'm just going to ask you, are, can you envision, are you in that place spiritually? If you lost everything right now but your life, could you worship God or would you accuse God? You know, this, this is a tale. This is a tale. This tells us everything about our theology and about who we are. Verse 5. For the Lord is good, His loving kindness is everlasting, and His faithfulness to all generations. Here's, the, here's how the psalm breaks down. A call to worship. Why? Verse 1 and 2, a call to worship. Why? Verse 3, because our God is God. He is the Creator. Verse 4, another call to worship. Why? Verse 5, because our God is good, loving, merciful, and faithful. It's why we preach theology at grace. At grace, we work hard to know who God says He is from Scripture. Because we don't want to be guilty of worshiping a caricature. Many people worshiping the caricature of Jesus will find themselves in hell. I... I don't know who you are. It was never real between us. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. We must know who He says He is. We must know Yahweh is the Creator God, verses 1 and 2. We must know that, that we are His created covenant people, verse 3. We must know He is good, loving, merciful, and faithful, even if our name is Job. Verse 5, we know Him, we trust Him, and we love Him. And thanks living is happening. It's, it's, it's happening. Is it happening perfectly? No. Do I have terrible days when no one else can tell I'm a Christian? The only person that knows I'm a Christian is, is, is God Himself because I'm acting so horribly. But I'm convicted and I confess my sin. Is there any ongoing confession in your life? It's another tell. It's another tell. Bad theology hurts people. Biblical theology sets us free. True believers are not interested in using God as, you know, the health, wealth, and prosperity guys are. Just let me use Him. Man, it's going to be a long, it's going to be a long day for those guys on the last day. Nonsense! You're going to use Yahweh? I don't think so. True believers are not interested in that. 
we're too busy enjoying God. <laughs> and it spills out in our lives, right? Incredibile. I was an enemy, but he has given me the kingdom. And I'm a co-heir with the son. And you can't be thankful? Okay, don't call yourself a Christian if you can't be thankful for that. It's an insult to God himself. The born-again soul, the genuine lover of Jesus, is not a thankless complainer. And listen, if you're in that bad habit, you've got to get out. I've already said it once, I'm going to say it again. If you're a complainer, you go home and you start working it out with God. This is a capital offense in the courtroom of God. So we open our Bibles at Grace to see how beautiful He is, how stunning, how spectacular, how magnificent, how wonderful, how captivating, how awesome, how breathtakingly, breathtakingly desirable God is. Thanks living, of course I'm, I'm engaged in thanks living. Of course I am. Every day. Every day. Because I've been saved by God. So for the Christian, thanks living, pardon me, thanksgiving. It can't just be the day before Black Friday, right? And it can't just be a day of premeditated gluttony, right? We take it serious. <laughs> we are thankful. We are thankful for a great God and a great salvation. We get what the psalmist is saying. We're on board with it. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen and amen. Let's pray.